I just want to listen to this song. My mom loved Rod Stewart. Loved Rod Stewart. My wife, Michelle. Um, so I think I've seen him three times in concert. He's fantastic. Just fantastic. Um, so that's a good one, Scotty. Appreciate that. It's time for our Sasky Spotlight. The WHL is where top-end junior players take major strides, as we know, towards their goals of eventually playing in the National Hockey League. One of those players is 16-year-old Cole Reshney. Cole's from Macklin, Saskatchewan. He's got 37 points in 38 games uh, with the Victoria Royals of the BCJHL. Or, I'm sorry, the WHL. And he is playing lights out. And he is our Sasky Spotlight. And our Shane Clausing has more. Cole Reshney's rookie season in the WHL has been sensational. It comes across. Reshney scores! Hat trick goal for Cole Reshney. Makes it 5 nothing, and here come the hats. The 16-year-old from Macklin, Saskatchewan, has so far tallied 16 goals and 37 points in just 38 games for the Victoria Royals this year. Those numbers have scouts predicting him to be a top NHL draft pick next year. It's not bad for a guy who was 15 a year ago, leading the AAA U18 Blazers to their first provincial championship since 92, and a third-place finish at the 2003 U18 National Championship. He had 65 points in 34 games with the AAA Blazers last year and says that led him to getting some looks in the dub. He credits his off-ice work for getting him to where he is now. Yeah, I think just uh, realizing last year, those for those four games that I played, how, how tough it was going to be and just getting myself ready all summer, uh, preparing for it to play against bigger, stronger, faster guys and then just coming in and adjusting to it and, and doing my thing. Obviously, it's, it's nice to have guys around me, uh, like my line mates and my teammates, to help me out with that. But I think just adjusting and, and doing all I can is, is, is what helped me. We caught up with Reshni in Saskatoon as the Royals were finishing their Eastern Canada road trip. Despite the cold, he was pleased to be back home, but some of his teammates sounded like they were ready to get back to the island. Yeah, no, it's great. I, I, I love being back here in Sask. It's, it's nice. Obviously, it's pretty chilly outside, but no, it's nice, and it's been a pretty fun road trip so far. Yeah, have you been able to adjust to the weather again? Uh, obviously, going from the island life, you're living 10 degrees usually, and it's pretty warm here. It's... Minus 40, uh, how's the body feeling? Yeah, no, it's not too bad, actually. Um, uh, yeah, I've adjusted pretty well. So, yeah, it's, I'm obviously used to it, so no, it's not too bad. What about the other players? Yeah, some of the guys have been complaining a lot, but uh, no, I think uh, for the most part, everyone's uh, fine with it. The trip to his home province also allowed the Royals to make a special stop in his hometown of Macklin. They also got a practice in, and his parents fed them dinner. A thrill for the town of under 1,500 people. Nice to break up the road trip and get a practice there and then uh, eat, eat a good home-cooked meal for once again. But yeah, no, that was, that was great to, to practice there and, and see the family again. Well, I think my parents just offered it to, our, to, to the organization. They, they said yes, so yeah, that was, was kind of how it worked out. It was, it was very, very great of them to do that and uh, I, was, I was pretty grateful to have, have parents that would do that. So yeah, it was, it was pretty nice. The trip to Saskatchewan and Manitoba wasn't ideal for the Royals as they dropped all five games. With that being said, the Royals have been cruising for the most part this season. Reshny says he and his team have one goal in mind. Playoffs is our goal. Obviously, uh, the last few years have been tough. Uh, I think we've had a good bounce-back season from last year coming out, uh, coming out of that. And then 
uh, pushing for the playoffs. That's that's what we all want, and that's what we're all striving for. So that's that's our goal, and, and we want to make the playoffs and then do do good things in there. For the Green Zone, I'm Shane Quazing. Great job by Shane and talking about Cole Reshney. It's amazing these hockey players nowadays how they are able to just accelerate their skill level. Sixteen-year-old kid playing in the WHL. That used to be an anomaly. And not anymore. I mean, the kids are such good hockey players now. They work on their game. Truly love it. And it's great to see a Saskatchewan product making some waves. 37 points in 38 games is something special. Uh, when we come back, and I'm going to take a quick break here. When we come back, I'm going to talk. I'm going to make you golfers mad. And... Uh, I'm not sorry about it. I'm going to let you know right off the bat. I'm not sorry about what I'm going to say about you golfers and certain things that are some somehow somewhere a must on the golf course. We'll be back on the Green Zone, 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. Welcome back to the program, and I promised uh, you golfers I was going to make you mad. My, I have two brothers who love the game of golf, play it all the time. I have tons of friends who play the game of golf all the time. I grew up working at a golf course since I was 13 years old till the time I was 28, I think I was. I worked at a golf course. Picked balls on the range, worked in the back pro shop, worked in the front pro shop, managed pro shop. Was uh, that's, that's what I was going to do for a living, was work at a golf course, work in the pro shop. And um, then hockey came along as I was in the summers, uh, working at the pro shop winters, nothing to do. So uh, thank goodness for Dave King giving me a job at Hockey Canada when I was in Calgary, and I never went back to golf after that. And I'm glad I didn't. Now I played some golf, in, you know, when I became down here to San Jose. I played uh, during the season every once in a while because I still played golf. But then one day I just gave it up. I just quit playing. And uh, unfortunately now I'm subjected still to my brothers, especially Doug and Don, who I love dearly, who are my best friends as well as my brothers, Jamie and I, Daryl Davis, any of the people talk golf and they tell me their golf stories. Doug and Don get on a text back and forth that um, I beg to get off of, but I can't. They keep me involved in this text line. Uh, I think that the amount of effort and cost and uh, devotion you golfers put in the game is uh, is admirable. I really do. Um, but also, I think some of the things that are required on the golf course are absolutely silly. My biggest one is this right here from what people are saying uh, uh, is the best caddy on the tour, uh, JT Postman's caddy. Um, well, I'll let you listen to it, and then I'll explain. Go ahead. Back to Poston from the bunker. 144, good lie, no lip issues whatsoever. Pin cut on that right-hand side, unexpected. Maybe right, try to manage a little ball. bit long. Sir, can you hang up the phone, please? We're playing golf over here. Thank you. He sounded like Judge Smales from Caddyshack, for crying out loud. So my question is this, golfers. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five is the text line or the phone line. Why do you believe that you need complete silence 
on the golf course when you're about to hit a ball, stationary ball right in front of you. Nobody trying to hit you. Nobody trying to block your shot. Nobody at all doing anything to impede you from swinging your club and hitting the ball, something you've done hundreds, if not thousands of times before. Why do you need complete silence? Are you that focused? I don't think so. Can you imagine, say then, CFL or NFL quarterback wanting complete silence when they're in a visiting stadium or a hockey player on a breakaway not having complete silence or, or, a, or a baseball player, bottom of the ninth, two men on, two out, and all you got to do is get a single to score a guy and tie the game or win the game, asking for complete silence. What is it? Tell me, please. one 332 8255 Why do you need complete silence? Why does a professional golfer who works on his game day in and day out, why does he need complete silence when he's about to hit a shot? As you heard, as you heard, had a great lie, had a shot that was at no impediments whatsoever. It was going to be an easy shot for Poston. But he's able to have his caddy tell a, tell a fan, who, by the way, at this tournament, the fans have been sparse, to say the least. Why do you need complete silence? one 332 8255 Sheldon right away jumps in. Amen, Drew. I have a speaker going on my cart. Tunes playing. Play better with the tunes rocking. Sheldon. I would think so, Sheldon. Wouldn't it loosen you up? Wouldn't the silence actually bother you? Can you imagine if you're if you're playing a sport and there's a crowd there and you nobody's saying anything? They're just quiet? Are you are you are you that tuned in or fragile mentally? where somebody on the phone is talking and you can't handle it, even though you're a pro or even a guy who plays a lot of golf? one 332 8255 That is the phone number and the text line. Uh, <laughs> Sean, I think, you, I think you've nailed it. I think you've nailed it. At one eight seven seven three three two eight two five five, it's because you only hit one out of ten shots properly, and you look for anything you can muster to blame. <laughs> That's very true. That is very true. But you, but you guys always hit that one shot, right? You always hit that one shot at the end of the round or somewhere in the round that keeps you coming back to the game. Well, I tell you what, though, you know, we've been talking a lot about about uh, about hockey and how expensive it is. How, how do you guys how do you guys and girls do it? How do you keep playing golf besides the green fees, besides the memberships, the clubs nowadays? When I worked at the golf course way back in the day, Ping was the was the big brand. And, you know, laminated woods um, and that. um the 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 irons were a little bit different, a little fatter irons. And balls were the big ball was Titleist. Titleist all black. Hunter compression. 
um, it was 20 bucks for a box of Titleist. And we thought that was expensive then. Now, I can't, I, I was looking to buy my brother a present because he doesn't work for me. I was like, I love Dougie, but I ain't going to buy that for him. There's 60 plus dollars for a, a box of Titleists. 1-877-332-8255. Call in NPA. If there's noise before the shot and during the shot, it's not so bad. It's random noise that shows up just before the shot that will be annoying. But Colin, that's my point. That's my point. There's noise all the time on a golf course. Most golf courses aren't secluded. There are some. But some of the golf courses like Sassoon Golf and Country Club used to be right along Lorne Avenue. You had cars going up and down, semis going up and down on Lorne Avenue on the first hole, 10th hole. Um, even you could hear it on the 11th and yeah, middle of maybe a little bit on the on the ninth coming in. But there's noise all the time. So you know, I need dead silence. I remember when we were golfing, we used to just get on each other's case all the time during a swing because it was fun and funny. Uh, Mike and Regina. Um, uh, the biggest reason that the, the golfers like it's super quiet, it's because that we can hear the clinch. <laughs> I'll try to get through this. Uh, it, the reason golfers like it's super quiet is because that way we could hear the clenching of their butts because they're so anal about what they're doing. Thank you, Mike. One eight seven seven three three two eight two five five. 332 it's because golf is 95% mental. All you want to think about is hitting the ball. But Brennan, you can't think about it while somebody's chirping in your in your ear or chirping behind you or somebody's on the phone. I love it. Gang, thanks very much. I appreciate it. I had to get that off my chest on a Friday, but uh uh <laughs> Mikey might win the day with that uh, with that text. <laughs> Let's go to one minute drill. It's a light night in the NHL with just four games on tap and no Canadian teams in action. The Detroit Red Wings shoot for a fourth straight win as they host the Carolina Hurricanes. Elsewhere, New Jersey visits Columbus, Florida welcomes Minnesota, and the New York Islanders are in Chicago. In the WHL tonight, the Pats host the Hurricanes, Moose Jaw is in Swift Current to take on the Broncos, Blades are on the road to take on the Hitmen, and PA is in Edmonton to face the Oil Kings. After being down 5-1, Nancy Martin and her rink clawed back to beat Penny Barker's unit 7-6 in extras at the Viterra Scotties in Tisdale. Martin remains perfect at 4-0. Elsewhere this morning, Robin Silvernagel's rink beat Skylar Ackerman's 10-5, and Michelle Inglot and Sherry Lee Orsted picked up wins. The Riders have made some moves today. The team has signed former Green Bay Packers wide receiver Geronimo Allison to a contract. The team has also signed a defensive lineman Charbel DeBeer to a one-year extension. That's your Green Zone Sports. I'm Britton Gray. When we come back, Ed Norris, 105.7, the fan in Baltimore, the host of the Big Bad Morning Show, will join us and we'll talk Ravens matchup against the Texans on the Green Zone. 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. Welcome back to the program, uh, Earlier, we've had such a great show today. Scotty, great job booking the show, and thank you very much for that. It's been fantastic. I've really enjoyed talking to our guests. Earlier, we talked to Ed Norris from 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. I want to bring you that because we're previewing the Baltimore Ravens-Houston Texans um, divisional playoff. And Ed Norris is the Big Bad Morning Show host at 105.7 
the fan in Baltimore. I thought I recognized the name when I was talking talking when we were when I was researching Ed Norse. And Ed Norse is and not only just a broadcaster on a radio show, host of a radio show, he was also an actor in one of my favorite series, The Wire. So we talked about that. Yeah, I, I backed into that. It was funny. It was a, I did it as a joke, kind of, for one episode. And then the, David Simon approached me as I walked up the set. He says, you're not bad. You want to do it again? I got five years out of it. That's, so, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> it, it, it is. Yeah, I am, I'm honored to talk to you. I really am. Um, hey, I'm a hockey fan. I, I, when I heard you with the Sharks, I'm yep, I'm on. <laughs> okay, thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. I noticed <laughs> on one of your photos you're wearing a, a Tampa jersey. So I don't blame you for yep. that one, without a doubt. Um Let's talk about, I, I was at the Christmas game here in San Jose when uh, the Ravens came in and demolished the 49ers. I, I was so impressed of so many areas of the game. And, and right now, going into this game, the Ravens are, uh, I think, a nine and a half point uh, favorite. Are, yeah. yeah. So when you look at this game, uh, this is kind of a weird question for you, but is there any way they could lose this game, the way that they are built right now and how healthy they are? The only way they're going to lose this game is if they beat themselves, and I mean by turning over the ball. That was an issue earlier in the season. They were turning the ball over frequently, and it, you, know, you know how that works. It's just yeah. quick change, momentum shifts, and you give short fields to the opposition. But honestly, this, you know, I've, I've been here in Baltimore since the Ravens won the first Super Bowl, and this is the best Ravens team I've ever seen, and that includes the 2000 team with that iconic defense. This is a more complete team. They're better than 2019. They're better than the 2012 team that beat the 49ers. Um, this is the best team I've ever seen. If they don't go to the Super Bowl, and I don't know if they win, but if they don't go, I'll be shocked. They were, and I think they have been all season long, the most under-talked-about great team in the league. Would you agree with that? Yeah, and I and I couldn't understand it. We, this this is a yeah. funny town. Like they've got a little bit of chip on the shoulder in this town, where they like being the underdog, and nobody likes this because between DC and New York and Philly, and but the fact is, the Ravens. Think about what they did this year. They demolished teams that are playoff teams. They they crushed the Lions, like thirty eight six, I believe. They they spanked the Forty ers They crushed the Dolphins. They did it to Jacksonville when they were hot. They didn't just beat teams. They were just embarrassing teams. And like, how is nobody talking about this team? This looks like an historic march. We were, we were, my boys and I, uh, my boys uh, coach football up in Canada. They came down to visit for, for, um, for, for Christmas. And we went to that game. And one of the things my one son talked about was the pressure that they bring, especially from the ends uh, on their front seven is, is dynamic. When you are looking at a, a young rookie quarterback, CJ Stroud, who was, amazing against the Browns and a very good defense there. Um, would that be, you think, the game plan? I think it's the key to the game because the Ravens led the NFL in sacks this year. Um, and you, you mentioned the outside. They've had two guys, they, you know, Kyle Van Noy and Jadavian Clowney, who were kind of the, you know, they look at the end of their careers. They've been reborn here. Like they went to Lords and just got reborn. <laughs> and they've been fantastic. And then they got you know, Justin Matabike in the middle People comparing him to Aaron, Aaron Donald this year. He's, yeah, I think 12, 13 sacks this year as an interior lineman. So they bring a tremendous amount of pressure. The Texas offensive line is kind of depleted. The best player they have, I believe, is Laramie Tunsil. The yeah. center is, 
kind of it looks a little weak. Their guards are a little weak because they're, they're like playing with third and fourth string people. I think they're going to have a tough time with the pass rush, um, and I, I assume Mike McDonald's going to bring it and bring it heavy. Ed Norris, host of the 105.7 The Fan Big Bad Morning Show, talking about the Baltimore Ravens, Houston Texans coming up on Saturday. Um, we have to talk about Lamar. He was so impressive to watch. What do you have over 800 yards this year in 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 run in rushing? In rushing, I gave 31. <laughs> yeah, he's over 800 yards in rushing. Yeah, he averages six. He averages six yards a carry in his life, his career with the Ravens. <laughs> I mean, he ex- <laughs> it's amazing how he extends plays. Absolutely amazing. Where he should be sacked, and he's not. Yeah, he, he's he's a very different guy. He just is. Um, <laughs> it's not just his, his flat out speed. He if people need to remember he wouldn't even he didn't even get tested at the combine because he didn't want people to know how fast he was because he wanted to convert to receiver. He's that fast, and he's the fastest guy in the field. But it's more than that. He's so elusive. Oh, people right. have him, and they don't have him, and. I just and and now he's become a, a true passer where he's more patient in the pocket. And the, the year he won the MVP last time, and I assume he's going to win it again. Oh yeah. When he won it in 2019, he would just take off on the signs of pressure. He would he would go and he gained seven yards, twelve yards, twenty five yards. Now he stays and he just lose pressure and and has been dropping dimes in, to the receivers, which he finally has a receiving core. Um, and he's a, he's a special player. He's truly different. And and I think he doesn't get enough credit. And I don't know if it's his Florida accent. Or, he's, a, he's one of the nicest athletes you ever meet. He's humble. He's polite. He's coachable. I mean, the coaches love him. Um, he's just he's a really a tremendous asset to the team in the city. It's amazing how much he is, as you talked about, how much he's grown and evolved as a quarterback. Where would the credit go for that besides, of course, the athlete himself? Uh, I, you know, I've got to give credit, and I think this is it's like true in every city. I think John Harbaugh deserves a lot of credit yeah. um, because, you know, like everywhere, people like, you know, the, the Steelers get bounced from the playoffs if you want Tomlin out. The guy's never had a losing season. Harbaugh's the same kind of coach. He's had a Super Bowl. We go to the playoffs all the time. And yet people are like, yeah, because he'll make a bad, you know, judgment with a timeout or a challenge, and they want to run him out of town. He's responsible for all this. He's brought in good assistance. I had lunch with him when they brought Lamar in, and it was, he actually just said to me, you're going to see an offense that you've never seen in the NFL because of this guy. We're going to create it around him, and he did. They actually created a whole offense around Lamar Jackson, and I give Harbaugh credit for adapting. He's been here since you know, 2008, um, and I, I, he's adapted with the times. He's adapted to new players, and they continue to win, and I just don't think he gets enough credit, and I think he deserves you know, a lion's share. But Munkin's been a big addition, obviously, because you had you – know, Greg Roman, who was a run-first guy and, and great running offense. But I think Munkins made a big difference in Lamar's confidence. They gave him more ability to change plays at the line. They bring him out to the line quicker. When Roman was here, they were going, they would get up to the line with five seconds, eight seconds left on the yeah. play clock. And it, it was not good. He couldn't change anything. This is a very different team with a different offensive coordinator. Tom Munkin deserves a lot of credit. Host of the Big Bad Morning Show in Baltimore, Ed Norris, joining us talking about the Ravens and the Texans. You mentioned a strong running game. Lamar is certainly one of the guys there, but you've got a couple of running backs that have had some pretty good seasons as well. Tell me about Edwards and Hill. Uh, Edwards and Hill, yeah. I mean, you forget about J.K. Dobbins, who was the best of the bunch oh, we yeah. lost early in the yeah. season. Yeah. We lose the best running back we've had, and then Gus Edwards come in, and Gus is just another guy. You know, He's five yards to carry 
whenever you give him the ball, it's, it's at least five yards. He falls forward, never falls back. Another guy that I think is really underrated, just as he'll bring speed to the game. Uh, we lost Keaton Mitchell, who was actually our biggest speed back. So we lost two great running backs, and you don't miss a beat here. You just don't because you've got Gus the Bus, who's you know, he's a beast. He's like he's over he's about two hundred forty pounds, um, and can run and just. And then you got. You know, Justice Hill, who's is the opposite of that. He, he probably weighs 190 pounds. I've seen him in person. He's not whatever to list him at. But he can <laughs> run, and he's fast. He really can. He's a great runner. And like, so we've got that. And then I think that what really makes them super successful is the fact that Lamar is such a threat because you have to account for him. Yeah. You have to. And it's like, you know, most teams play 11 on 10 when they're playing an offense. When you play the Ravens, you're playing 11 on 11 because you have to account for Lamar to run the ball. So when when we look at the Texans, and they had a, a terrific job against the Browns, who have a very good defense on their own, what worries yeah. you about the Texans? What worries about the Texans is they're, um, they're going to run the ball. They're going to try to run the ball, I believe, a little bit. Um, yeah. But the Ravens, have had, they've struggled stopping the run on the outside. The, it's, it's, but it's a weird thing. Like The eye test tells you that they're giving up plays, you know, both on the outside runs, jet sweeps and the like, and up the middle. Play, teams are gouges up the middle. However, it's still one of the best run defenses in the NFL. So they're not that bad. It's just I just think sometimes visually you see teams, they're able to run up the middle and gut run against them. And, and you know, jet sweeps have been vulnerable too. Um, that's my biggest concern because guys that have come back, you know, Roquan Smith coming to the Ravens changed everything. Um, he's clearly clear the best little middle linebacker we've had since Ray Lewis. Um, and then Kyle Hamilton, who was – he kind of started off slow when he came out of Notre Dame. He may be the best player on the defense, and he's a hybrid where I don't even quite know what position he plays. He's a slot corner. He's a strong safety. But the guy can play, and I think he makes a real – and we haven't had him for the last couple of weeks. So I think the deficiencies we've seen will be, you know, they'll all be cured by, by Hamilton being back in the lineup. Um, before I let you go, the around the league, when you're looking at the games coming up between – Kansas City and the Bills and and the Niners and the Packers. Um, as we as we look forward, who are you looking at that that you think? I'm really interested in that game because I think it could be surprising. Uh the Buccaneers Lions. Ah, okay, Actually, yeah. That's my, the Bills. I think the Bills are going to take the Chiefs. You know, people say, too. "Oh, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Chiefs, the Chiefs." The Bills have won the last two outings, and they always play at Arrowhead. And I think the Bills are very hot right now, and they're very talented. So I think they're going to win that game. The 49ers are the class of the NFC, my opinion. Yep. But I, I've, been a, I've been on the Lions bandwagon for a couple of years. I, I like Dan Campbell and what he's done. And I, I always like the Buccaneers. And I, I think Baker Mayfield's getting a bad route. He's the guy was a Heisman winner, number one overall draft pick. He's bounced around, obviously, for other reasons. He's hot, as a, he's hot right now. Yeah. And I think as much as the Lions, they go to the better team, I think – Tampa Bay may win this in Detroit. Um, that's the one I'm really we you know we argued about this on the show this morning, but I think that's the one I'm I'm most intrigued by because I think that's the one that's going to be the upset. Give me an athlete with something to prove. I'll take him every day, right? hundred percent. That's why this is why we're so hot on Lamar right now. Yeah, you know how the criticism he's received can't win the big game, can't win the postseason. Yeah. Most talented guy in the league, but he can't win the big. He's locked in. Look at his eyes. <laughs> I'm dead yeah. Look at that man's eyes. He's locked in. He doesn't laugh after press conferences and after wins. They beat the 49ers like they were playing the JV. And he was like, now we got more <laughs> to prove. We got more to prove. So I, I really think he's the guy. 
We'll be back after the break just to wrap this thing up on the Green Zone. 650 CKOM, 980 CJME. If I whittled my life down to one song that I wanted to hear all the time, that would be it. Shoot the Thrill, ACDC, my favorite band growing up, my favorite band to this day. Although I don't think Angus really thought he was going to have to wear the schoolboy outfit all these years later. But regardless, um, Shoot the Thrill is one song I absolutely love. We, uh, we've just got a couple of minutes left, so let's, uh, let's do Champs and Chumps. You two are winners, big winners. I think you're shagadelic, baby. You're switched on. You're smashing. You tried your best. And you failed miserably. The only thing I'm addicted to right now is winning. You're an idiot. Ah, you're a bad person. I got a couple of champs today. One, Travis Kelsey. The reason I'm picking Travis Kelsey is because uh, he let it fly today, or was it yesterday, on his podcast with his brother Jason when uh, it was mentioned by Jason that Travis had been nominated as uh, the People's Choice Awards for Top Athlete of the Year. And his reply was, really? What the? did I do came up a thousand yards short. He's been very critical of his own performance this year. He knows the only reason he got picked for people's choice is because the, uh, the lovely young blonde beside him is Taylor Swift. So I love, uh, I love people who are very self aware and on the other side, being aware, uh, Tony Herkus, you might ask who's Tony Herkus. Well, Tony Herkus was an NHL hockey player and I had the good fortune of, uh, being assistant coach on a team that Tony uh, played on, the San Jose Sharks. Uh, Tony Herkus is a scout for the Tampa Bay Lightning. And in the L.A. press box the other night when the Kings were hosting the Detroit Red Wings, someone was turning purple, an NHL employee. Tony Herkus jumped into action, knows the Heimlich maneuver, pulled the Heimlich maneuver on this person, uh, forced a piece of pretzel out of the... Uh, out of the mouth and out of the windpipe. And everybody around said, Tony Herkus saved that person's life by one, jumping into action, recognizing the problem. And number two, knowing the Heimlich maneuver. So one, learn the Heimlich maneuver. But to my friend, Tony Herkus, way to go, Tony. You are definitely a champ.